I'm not sure we can have a gym, nursery, and office all in one. We had a baby shower a couple weeks ago, and our house is full of hundreds of small items. Meet Amanda and her husband, Gavin. My parents are very excited, but they are back in Scotland, so they're not going to be around as much to help with some of the baby stuff. They're about to embark on the journey of a lifetime, parenthood. And with that exciting news, means some big decisions ahead. We like to think of ourselves as minimalists, but the reality is to both work from home and have a child, we need a minimum of three bedrooms and a little bit more space. They're currently in a two-bedroom apartment, but will need more space soon. Gavin and Amanda work in the San Francisco Bay Area and don't want to move too far away because Amanda's parents live close by. And in the coming years, they'll need childcare. They think they need to buy a home, but they're not sure they can or even want to. When we talk to maybe our parents about things like a mortgage, they've always thought of buying property as an investment. And I'm not sure that I necessarily agree with that anymore. I think that it's just such a heavy financial burden compared to maybe what it was a few decades ago. My parents bought in the 80s in the Bay Area when things were much lower and you could have a blue collar job and still live your life, travel and have disposable income. That reality is much different today. Being able to travel, have adventure, even retire early is important to Amanda and Gavin. But big change is coming and they want to have a financial plan to be ready for that. Bringing a child into the world means thinking about childcare costs, balancing that against my net income, and figuring out what budgetary changes we'll need to make to make this work for us. Amanda and I are actually really good at communicating and generally being on the same page about things, being pretty open and transparent, but I think there's just things neither of us know and it's hard to have a conversation when you don't have that vocabulary. And that's where we'll start today. I'm Jamie Rowe, and welcome to What Should I Do With My Money, an original podcast from Morgan Stanley. We match real people asking real questions about their money with experienced financial advisors, and you get a front row seat to what these conversations are like, and hopefully get answers to some of the questions you might have yourself. The arrival of a first child so often prompts people to start rethinking everything that you need. I know it did for me. More space, that your household budget needs to extend to include big items like childcare, but also all the little things that add up like food, clothes, and diapers. So many diapers. Couples like Amanda and Gavin are wondering if their savings are enough. Can they afford to buy a house, or will that choice leave them stretched too thin? If they buy, where do they start with mortgages? And how do they budget for the unexpected? What if one of them couldn't work all of a sudden? These are questions Eric from our Oak Brook, Illinois office gets a lot. Eric is a financial advisor and senior portfolio management director. He remembers having these same questions when he and his wife were expecting their firstborn. I remember those early days, those early weeks, those early months very well, and thinking about finances and uh, thinking what was about to change. 18 years later, Eric offers clients guidance from a professional standpoint, but also from his personal experience. 
This helps him navigate conflicts couples may be experiencing when they don't necessarily agree. I have worked more with couples than not. I have certainly witnessed, um, I will term them mild arguments. I have certainly witnessed what almost feels like a very heated battle. But I would say in the vast, vast majority of those cases, by the time you work through that, the understanding that each one of them have for each other, how they feel about money, it's really amazing to witness. And then you watch them come together and they create a long-term plan that best suits them both and they become fully committed to it. It's really an amazing process to watch. Coming together and making a plan is what Gavin and Amanda are here for today. Well, first of all, Amanda and Gavin, congratulations on the baby. This must be a very exciting time for both of you. Excited, nervous, and everything in between. Understandable. So Eric's been briefed on some of what you'd like to ask today, and he has many years of experience as a financial advisor, as well as a parent himself. I'll let him take it from here. Thank you, Jamie. Gavin, Amanda, so nice to meet you both. And uh, first of all, to, to echo Jamie's comments, uh, congratulations. Thank you. We are. We're excited. One of the questions that I've often asked clients through so many years is to, to tell me a little bit about what keeps you up at night. The thing I, I, I'm really grateful for is we've worked really hard to build up savings. And it's the first time in my life where I felt like we have a cushion. If something was to go wrong, if one of us was to lose our jobs or, you know, circumstances changed, we have a little bit of a safety net there. But the thing I don't like is now thinking, well, if we give that up for a down payment or some other investment, then suddenly we're back to square one. That's the same anxiety that I carry that keeps me up at night is, is weighing that decision and Wanting to know that, say, if one of us was un unhappy in our role or something was happening that was challenging with our child and needed to take a step back and focus in there, if we were to make a big investment and lose that safety net, we'd have to make a tough decision. Sure, absolutely. One of the, the items that you both mentioned is you would like to, and you feel you need to, to move into uh, to a bigger place. Uh, you're expecting your first child here soon. Uh, tell me a little bit about that goal. I think space is maybe one of the biggest issues. We literally like both work from home and need quiet space to do that. And bringing a child into the home, we're going to need another bedroom. So there's a very like pragmatic aspect to that. Mm-hmm. Additionally, we live in a complex and have wonderful neighbors, but we don't have our own yard where our child could could play and explore and learn. And that's something that is a high priority for me. Have you had the opportunity to look in the area to, to see what housing prices are for the, the type of real estate that you would like to own? Have you found the prices to be what you've expected? I think we knew it was going to be expensive in the Bay Area and it definitely is we have probably had a little bit of sticker shock in the sense that we figured if we like moved a little bit further out the prices would drop down significantly and i don't think we've really experienced that and then we start to like get caught up thinking about things like closing fees and the costs over and above the literal cost of the the home and that's i think where we get a little bit frozen yeah i really have no clear understanding of how to break those costs down 
what that would look like in terms of the down payment and applying that to a monthly budget. Um, what would we have to cut out of our lives to make that really feasible? And how can we live the same quality of life we're living now when we add those expenses in? I learned actually from a colleague, and I think it's a fantastic idea. Maybe you have a date night. It's a, a money date night. And you spend some time talking about finances, financial goals, and, and we start to talk a bit about a budget because it, it really does not have to be horrible. We sat down this winter and went through granularly, line by line, six months of expenses and then grouped those into categories so we could do a test budget that we're now applying and have been since March. Yeah, there was a lot of sitting down with bank statements and credit card statements just trying to work out where the money went. Were there any surprises? Anything that um, you looked at and said, oh my gosh, I had no idea we were spending that much money there? A lot on groceries. We prioritize um, eating healthy and we both work hard. On the weekends, we tend to like to sit back and get delivery and there's definitely a good amount of money going out on that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of money spent on food in general. It hasn't been uncommon in, in my career when I go through this process with a couple that they will come back to me after six months and say, oh my gosh, Eric, we discovered that we were spending a lot more money for example, eating out, then we realized we we were, and it's not even important to us. We don't even really care about that. We were just doing that because that's what we did. That's the habit we fell into. When we think about budgeting techniques, it's my personal belief that there's no right or wrong answer here. I think what's important is Eric that- Eric recommends you, dividing up a budget into three categories. Category one is needs, things like rent, utilities, food, car payments. Those should be about 50% of your budget. Category two is wants, things that contribute to your quality of life. That might be vacations, concert tickets, or costs related to your hobby. Give this category 30%. The rest is for the third category, savings and investments. Use this also for paying off debt that doesn't make good financial sense. The percentages might change, but it's a good framework for thinking about a budget. Now to Gavin and Amanda's next question about using everything they have, savings and emergency fund, toward the purchase of their home. I think top of mind for me is how we should quantify throwing our savings at a down payment. Uh, should we hold more back as a safety net or is it a better judgment call to put that down and secure a mortgage? The tendency, I, I think, sometimes is to say, my gosh, we've got this large amount set aside for a down payment and uh, let's commit all of that right now so we can have the, the lowest monthly payment, that lowest mortgage payment possible. Certainly understand that. Uh, you, know, you both are, are working. Uh, you're dependent on, on both incomes to make the household budget work at this point. If something were to change, either by your own design or something that is out of your control, having some money set aside to cover those expenses is incredibly important. The tendency may be, let's commit all that to the mortgage. But I would really encourage you to think about making sure you have got you know three months, four months, five months worth of bills. I truly believe it will not only provide you financial security, I believe the emotional comfort you'll get from that will be well worth it. And it's really reassuring for me to hear that because I think we've had a lack of clarity around is it stupid to hold back 
savings for something that might never happen when we could be putting it to more like active use. But like hearing that from a financial advisor is is helpful. Mm-hmm. What concerns me from an advisory standpoint is if I if I see a client has committed all of their 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 money, they don't have any cash to cover those short term needs. Not only do I think about the stress that brings you in the near term, but I also think about how does that derail other goals? Are you now forced to liquidate long-term investments to cover a short-term need? Right. Are you forced to go out and 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 maybe apply for that credit card at you know 17 or 18 percent interest to cover that short-term need? And now you have yet another line item on the budget, another worry. Yeah, we want to avoid that downward spiral. But you mentioned, I think, three, four, five months of comfort zone. Uh, Is that an industry recommendation? There is no right or wrong answer. Well, let me take that back. I believe the wrong answer is to have nothing. (laughs) The right answer is maybe we shoot for the minimum, but find what's comfortable. And by the way, that may change. You know, now as you start your family, you've got a, a, a new baby coming you may naturally say, we want that emergency fund to be higher. That's okay. Five years down the road, 10 years down the road, that very well may may change. That's okay. That's helpful. So with that information, I think that helps us to, to maybe set a benchmark of like, this is the amount of money that we should definitely be holding back and we should like remove that from anything that we're considering as a down payment. But then that raises lots more questions about how to actually choose a mortgage and what a down payment looks like. I feel like I have a lot of questions around that. Well, expand on those both a little. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, I've plugged some numbers into a mortgage calculator, for an example, and it will typically look at it from the the perspective of what can you afford to borrow? And when I think about that, I'm like, I'm less concerned about like, how much can I borrow as like, what can I expect as like a a reasonable monthly payment. I'd rather start with what I can afford monthly and then scale that up. And when I think about variabilities like how credit score adjusts that, how a down payment adjusts that, how 15 years versus 30 years about interest rates, there's so many variables, I don't know where to start. I understand there's a lot for you to consider right now. The very first step What you need to understand is what you're comfortable spending each month. Then you're going to want to start talking with lenders. They're going to come back to you with quotes for different lengths of time, loan programs, payment schedules. What we can do is lay those out and take a really close look together. And let's see what makes the most sense given your budget and the other long-term financial goals you'd like to achieve and that we've discussed. You'll likely be presented with different options that you can afford, but it comes down to your comfort level each month and your other long-term goals. I would really encourage you to pay attention to the numbers, but also to pay attention to the emotion around it. Let's spend some time. Let's do some homework. Let's really understand each one of the options, the programs that the lenders present to you. We can talk about the pros and cons. The goal is really to get you both educated prior to making that decision. We really want you to be comfortable with the decision you ultimately make. That's helpful. And when you talk about reaching out to multiple lenders, do you offer your clients guidance on where to start with that? Because I think beyond our bank, 
I'm kind of at a loss as to like how to differentiate one over the other. Same. Uh, great question. I, the first thing I would say is is look to the relationships that you already have. So you do have a banking relationship. Uh, that bank understands who you both are to some degree. They understand a bit about your finances. Certainly, I think it does make sense to talk to them. Ask your friends, ask your colleagues, ask those that you know that own homes and that have gone through this process. If they have a relationship with a lender and a lending professional that they really trust. That's a great point. And I feel lucky that I have a large network of folks in the Bay Area who have purchased a home recently that I can start the conversation with. Yeah, it's a complicated process, but I think we just need to do some legwork up front that maybe we haven't done so far. Shopping around for a mortgage can be incredibly important. The mortgage market is definitely not one size fits all. Different companies offer different products, and some may work better for you than others, depending on your situation. Eric recommends looking to your existing relationships for guidance. A financial advisor can also be a guide here. They can introduce you to a banker who can help you explore different lending options and offer guidance alongside your financial advisor throughout the process. At Morgan Stanley, private bankers can present options, including fixed rate mortgages or adjustable rate mortgages based on your individual needs. And depending on your unique situation, you may be able to reduce the need for a down payment on a home by using eligible securities in your brokerage account as collateral. Once Gavin and Amanda have a better idea of what might be available to them, they'll have more information to help answer this next question. It seems like there's never a perfect time to buy a house, much like having a kid. Um, but <laughs> right now it feels like everything's working against us. How do you advise us to like factor in those big picture things when we think about our budget? Are you thinking along the lines of, my gosh, is the real estate market just too expensive right now? Would it serve us better to wait a little bit and, and let prices calm down a bit? Yeah, there's a lot of information around interest rates going up, you know, the stock market going down, the housing market just being a bubble. And when I think about that, I definitely get overwhelmed. But then maybe when it comes down to our personal budget, I just think, does someone need to give us the, the hard truth that we can't afford a house? I think you will help answer that question as you work through that budgeting process. You're, you're going to start to understand what can you comfortably spend on, on a house. And as you go out to start and shop, you may realize that there are homes that fit your needs that are in that price range. And that allows you to be comfortable making that commitment. You may also find that, no, oh my gosh, what we, we really, really want to own, it feels like too much of a stretch for us. Maybe we need to wait a little bit. I do not believe personally that there's any shame and I do not think you should feel bad about hitting the pause button a little bit. The situation we're in at the moment of maybe just trying to think a little bit further ahead because we're expecting a child is creating an urgency around this, which we don't necessarily have to adhere to. Absolutely, it's creating a lot of urgency. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We need to have this solved. But I don't know, and I get the sense from you both that rushing into a decision will ultimately not lead you to the comfort and the success that you're looking for. Do you have like general guidance on what a good down payment is for a mortgage or is that just different for every person? I sense that you are people that will gravitate more toward the 20% rule of thumb. 
While there are some drawbacks to consider with less than a 20% down payment, like for example, a higher interest rate on your loan possibly, at the end of the day, let's make sure we don't commit too much that we've now thrown the rest of our financial life, the rest of our financial plan into an area of discomfort. That's helpful. Thank you. It does. It does relieve the pressure. I appreciate that. Pressure, anxiety. These words come up a lot for people when it comes to their finances. For Gavin and Amanda, this initial conversation is just the beginning. A more detailed financial plan made just for them will go even further in helping them feel less stressed and more secure with where they're at and what is possible. With that, one last question about their budget. There's things that will change in our budget in the near future when we think about childcare and we think about costs of things that we've just never had to think about before, like diapers. Um, I don't know how you would advise us to start planning a budget based on numbers that we don't yet know. It really is a great question. And as you were talking, I was thinking about all of the additional expenses that my wife and I incurred with our first child. Things like what you mentioned, diapers, car seats, strollers, et cetera. All of these things that we weren't really prepared for. But this is part of what your emergency savings is for. I would suggest committing more to your savings for the time being to be sure you're prepared for these unknown changes. I mentioned earlier this idea of money dates. I I would encourage you to set these more frequently in the coming months. A budget really is not something you're going to write once. It's going to continue to evolve. So let's set a healthy margin over what your needs are now and then start setting a goal to save and strive for that. Once your baby is here, you're likely going to find that you need to adjust that either up or down. But in in time, you're going to find the right place. And then you can allocate any excess savings to your emergency fund or start investing for some of the long-term goals we talked about. Right. I think that taking a step back and kind of seeing and adjusting to what those costs might be before we make that larger decision uh, would make a big, a big impact on how we move forward in the real estate market. And in hearing that you've taken the time to do that budget exercise is fantastic. You're just not launching into this completely uncharted. You're spending the time to understand what does money really mean to the both of you? That will help you make well-thought-out, well-educated decisions that I truly believe will serve you very well, not only today, not only as you make these decisions over the next year or two, but thinking about retirement at some point, for example. It will help you be best prepared for that. I think we definitely have some sleepless nights ahead, but I don't think it's going to be as often about money. Good news. Good news. You two make money dates sound so romantic. How'd you find this experience today of talking to Eric? Was it what you expected? Absolutely. I've been looking forward to it for a long time. It's something that's been on my mind and on my heart for probably the last year. So when this was presented to me, I was elated that I'd be able to tap into someone who really understands. Yeah. And I think it was a lot more human and personal than I expected. I think that was the bonus for me that, you know, we actually got to talk a little bit about our lives and who we are as people and not just numbers on a spreadsheet. Which parts of Eric's advice really stood out to you? For me, it was the part about there's no specific type of lender we should be reaching out to, to just have conversations with multiple lenders and to reach out to your network to find out what your peers are doing. Yeah. And I sometimes I'm hesitant to reach out to 
friends and family on this kind of stuff because everyone has strong opinions and they're always very different and you don't know where to start but sometimes you just got to hear those things and then make decisions for yourself so it was good to hear a financial advisor say that too if you had a crystal ball and could look a year 18 months into the future where do you think you'll be living if i look a year into the future based on this conversation i think we might be still in this apartment but i think we'll be much further along in our planning and we'll have a much more concrete idea of what our expenses look like with a child and and hopefully in a better position to make a decision for the the next few years i agree i think my crystal ball is more when he's in kindergarten (laughs) or at least in preschool (laughs) and we'll have at that point gotten to a good place where we've established ourselves uh in a home and uh in in a community and kind of have created a village for our family that sounds nice this has really been a pleasure getting to meet you and know you both a little bit It's been a real pleasure. I'm so inspired to take the next step. Take care. This was great. I appreciate the opportunity. That's it for this episode of What Should I Do With My Money, an original podcast from Morgan Stanley. If you enjoyed the show, follow us wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you would like a deeper dive on what was discussed today or to learn about our spending and budgeting tool, come see us at morganstanley.com slash my money. I'm Jamie Rowe. Talk to you soon. Here's some important information about your relationship with your financial advisor and Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC when using a financial planning tool. When your financial advisor prepares a financial plan, they will be acting in an investment advisory capacity with respect to the delivery of your financial plan. To understand the difference between brokerage and advisory relationships, you should consult your financial advisor or review our Understanding Your Brokerage and Investment Advisory Relationships brochure, available at morganstanley.com slash mymoney. You have sole responsibility for making all investment decisions with respect to your implementation of a financial plan. You may implement the financial plan at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC or at another firm. If you engage or have engaged Morgan Stanley, it will act as your broker unless you ask it in writing to act as your investment advisor on any particular account. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, its affiliates, and Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors or Private Wealth Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their tax advisor for matters involving taxation and tax planning and their attorney for legal matters. This material has been prepared for educational purposes only. It does not provide individually tailored investment advice. It has been prepared without regard to the individual financial circumstances and objectives of persons who receive it. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC recommends that investors independently evaluate particular investments and strategies and encourage investors to seek the advice of a Morgan Stanley financial advisor. The appropriateness of a particular investment or strategy will depend on an investor's individual circumstances and objectives. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC is a registered broker-dealer, member SIPC, and not a bank. Where appropriate, Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC has entered into arrangements with banks and other third parties to assist in offering certain banking-related products and services. Investment, insurance, and annuity products offered through Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC are not FDIC-insured, may lose value, not bank-guaranteed, not a bank deposit, not insured by any federal government agency.